that's classic. We bring you great laughs and a unique behind-the-scenes look at classic television shows and movies. I'm John Cato. I'm an actor, voiceover artist, and also bring you an amazing insight as a moderator with over 20 years' experience in the television industry. Awesome. So uh, today I have uh, Aaron Murphy, uh, Tabitha from Bewitched, back on the show. Uh, so, you know, I, I mean, it's today is just a, an awesome day because this is really just this is for the fans. This is all all questions from the fans. They they I got to tell you, Aaron, it was overwhelming uh, the response of just people wanting to see you come back on the podcast for the, the second time. Oh, that's nice. Thanks, guys. <laughs> There's a lot of love out there for you. Believe me, I, I, I can't can't tell you how many comments that came in and they were really happy. So. Anyhow, uh, we've got a bunch of different questions, and they're honestly they're in no particular order. Um, it's just kind of as it comes. So let's see where we go with this. All right. So um, let's start off with the first one. Uh, did Elizabeth Montgomery or any of the other cast members keep in touch with you as you were growing up? We we stayed in touch through things like Christmas cards and stuff like that, but n- not not in the way you would think. I I was able to stay in touch. Um, years later as an adult with um, Dick Sargent and Bernard Fox and um, Casey Rogers and um, Sandy Gould because we did appearances and things where like TV Land did a bewitched statue and we um, we unveiled that in Salem and you know personal appearances and talk shows and things like that but um, Liz didn't really um, didn't really do that as much. So we stayed in touch because her kids are friends of mine, but mm-hmm. it was almost, I, I think I've said it before, but it's almost like she's the parent of my friends. So we didn't have cell phones. We didn't have social media. So, I mean, now you stay in touch with everybody on Facebook and you kind of see everybody's life. Yeah, but I mean, exactly. I was a little, a little kid. I didn't know anybody's phone number and I didn't have a cell phone until I was really old. <laughs> so, so yeah. yeah, not so much. Oh, very interesting. Very interesting. So would you on occasion though, get like a phone call from them or anything like that? Any kind of check in um, through the years? Gosh, I mean, lots of Christmas cards. I mean, Christmas cards were kind of the the thing where, you know, everybody would send a card and, and well wishes and stuff like that, but not so much. Yeah. Yeah. That's very, that's very interesting. And that was from Teresa. I, I did say that I'll say their name. So, you know, just so you know, that was from Teresa. <laughs> um, so the next one, um, which and this is this is kind of an interesting one. Uh, this okay. is from Lima, Peru, from Haiti. Wow. Uh, which is the first feeling or emotion that you feel when you remember? And the first one is Elizabeth Montgomery. Oh gosh, um, happy. It's like a it's like a warm warm feeling. It's like. Um, no, I mean, I'm smiling just when you said her name. I I, I was open minded listening to what you were going to say, and um, just just happy. I mean, she was, she was definitely a role model for me. And I, I, um, yeah, I loved her and admired her and I thought she was beautiful and hilarious and, um, yeah, all good feelings. Awesome. Uh, the next person, oh, funny. what if there's someone I hate? What if, bad, dark feeling. <laughs> That'd be really funny. Your whole face just goes dark and we're like, Oh, okay. Move on. Okay, the next one was Agnes Moorhead. I loved her. I loved her so, so much. And um, 
I mean, all once again, all great feelings. I mean, I, I truly, I've said it a million times, so I don't want to sound like I'm a robot, but I loved her like a grandparent. I, I did. She, you know, I remember just um, being around her and just feeling um, like she was my grandma and I just loved her. I know she loved me and um, just really, really all wonderful feelings about her. Just, she was wonderful. Okay, terrific. No, terrific. Um, and then the last one she has down is Dick York. Oh, good. I was hoping there was no one I, I really don't like, but I couldn't right. think of, I was like, who is he going to say? Um, um, Dick York. Um, gosh, I, I have I have memories of him, obviously, um, from the show, but also after the show. And last um, time I talked to Dick York, I'd done a radio show out in L.A., and um, I want to say that we did the show on Dick York's birthday. Oh, wow. So, um, so the DJs somehow had Dick York's phone number, which I didn't even have at that time. I think I was, you know, early twenties. And so we called Dick York from the air. And oh, wow. so I was on the air on the radio and I was so happy to leave a message that then they had to beep out my phone number. I said, call me back right away. And I gave my phone number. It's like, <laughs> so happy birthday. It, it's because it, it went to his answering machine. And then he called, he called and left a message once again, before cell phones, he left a message before I even got home from the radio station. So I called him back right away and we talked for a long, like over an hour. And, oh, wow. um, it, he was just so um, inspiring in a lot of ways because it was when he was sick. It was just a few years before he passed away. Right. And he was talking about um, he was on oxygen and um, he was bedridden almost. But he was talking a lot about um, still giving back to the community and the importance of helping others, which has always resonated with me as well. So um, he was um, organizing to have mattresses donated to a homeless shelter. Oh my so gosh. It, it, was, it was, he's one of those people who really inspired that kind of philanthropic side of me, like giving back and volunteer work and community service. Um, I got a lot of that from Dick York. Oh, that's pretty cool. That's pretty, how old was he when he passed, by the way? Do you know? I have no idea. You're going to have to Google that. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I honestly, I was thinking that off the top of my head, just as you were saying. Yeah, it was, it was a weird time because I want to say Dick York, Dick Sargent and Liz all passed away within maybe five years of each other. So it I was one right. of those where it, it all happened pretty quickly. Wow. Wow. Um, okay. Well, that, that was kind of cool. Yeah. Th thanks, Katie. Um, so um, what was it like to work with Paul Lind on Bewitch? This is from Amber. Um, Paul Lind was fun. Um, once again, there are lots of rumors that he didn't like kids. He was always nice to me. I always thought he was funny. Like I, I loved his voice. I thought he was, he was just a funny guy. And the episodes that he, he was in were really, I thought they were kind of more fun. There was something kind of zany about oh, him. Yeah. I, I always liked when he was working. And Wait. I loved watching him on things after. Like I loved watching Hollywood Squares and um, he did voices on, on different things. So I remember watching um, Charlotte's Web and he and Agnes Moorhead did voices on that. So I always liked when he was working. Oh, that's cool. Did you, by the way, speaking of which, I just thought of this. Did, did you watch Bewitched on TV when you were on the show? Bewitched was actually on past my bedtime, so I didn't watch it regularly, but I remember waking up sometimes, and it seemed like it was the middle of the night, and like walking out to get a drink of water or something, and my parents would be watching Bewitched, so I watched it then, and um, I've watched it, obviously, in reruns, but oh, of course. Um, I haven't seen every episode. 
It's oh, so wow. weird because there are so many people who know more about the show than I do. And I know a lot about the show, but I have not seen all the episodes and I have not seen the black and white episodes. So, oh, wow. so yeah, it was, they weren't on when I was a kid. It was mainly, you know, the color ones that they ran. And yeah. then by the time it was on Nick at night and TV land and things like that, I always felt like um, it was conceited kind of to watch yourself on TV. Yeah. I know it's not, no, no offense to others, but Wait. I felt like, I didn't want to like sit down and watch myself and have someone walk in and like, oh, you're so full of yourself watching yourself. Yeah, I could see it. Yeah. So when you were a kid um, and you you walked out, you know, your parents were watching it. What is that? Because you were pretty young. I mean, what does that feel like to be watching yourself on this box, this TV, you know? It's so weird because I started when I was a baby. It all seems normal to me. It didn't seem wow. weird that I was on TV. It didn't seem weird that everyone, everywhere we went, strangers knew who I was. It just seemed normal. So I'm always surprised if someone doesn't know me because you know what I mean? Like yeah. everywhere I went from the time I was a baby, everyone knew who I was. Wow. Wow. So, that is pretty wild that it, it, you can acclimate to that, like just in a natural way. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, here's our next one. This is from Simon. Uh, did you ever get the script you mentioned bidding on on eBay in the first That's Classic podcast? Um, thank you for asking, Simon. I've actually had a lot of people ask me that, and no, I didn't. I um, it was so funny. You guys didn't watch that other the first episode I did um, of this show. Um, we found the script. I think Bob Bergen found it on eBay. Mm -hmm. I immediately went to eBay to buy it. I did buy it. I did like the buy it now thing and I bought it. Um, and then the guy got back to me and I, I wrote a little note and I said, oh, where did you get this? I had lost all my scripts years ago. I said, where did you get this? Because it's mine. I'd love to buy more if you have more. And he wrote back a very nice note saying it had been listed in error, that it had already been sold. And um, so, no, I didn't get it. But someone out there has all of my scripts and sold them, like sold them as a lot where they sold all of them. And wow. I wish I known I would have bought them. But if anyone out there has them, I'll buy them back from you. They're mine. I'd love to have them. <laughs> hey, it's good to put it out there because it'll just, you know, I'm sure there's somebody out there that's going to go, wait, I know somebody that does have one yeah. of those. You know, the thing that was cool about that one, because I went to the listing on eBay, it actually had like, notes it had my dad's notes on the script which oh, was wow. cool a lot so that's so that. oh that's so yeah. cool it's our it's life you kind of have to let things go yeah well hopefully it'll come, come back. back all right here we go here's another one um this is from sue in australia um were your parents at all like darren and samantha um my parents were not at all <laughs> like Daryl and Samantha. Not at all in any way I can think of. Nope, not at all. No, they weren't. My mom um, was a stay-at-home mom, so I guess that was sort of like Samantha. But um, yeah, no, my mom didn't do magic. My dad didn't work in advertising. He he was in finance and owned a business college. And it's funny because um, sometimes I'll meet somebody and they'll say that they work for an advertising agency. And I swear my first response is, oh my gosh, my dad is in, in advertising, but he's not. Only my oh, wow. dad. <laughs> so, oh my God, that's hysterical that it just is subliminally coming to you. Yeah, but wow. you know, my parents are so completely different from the characters and also the actors, very different. Okay, cool. Very cool. All right. Uh, this is this is coming in. Some people don't put one, their name, so that's okay. Would love to hear Aaron speak a little bit more about uh, Marion Lorne 
and Alice Ghostly, two of my favorite character actresses. So oh, yeah. yeah. Um, Alice Ghostly just had a birthday, I think in the last week. Um, she came on to be Esmeralda. Mm -hmm. um, they had originally asked um, Alice Ghostly to be Gladys Kravitz. When they, when they replaced the character of Gladys um, Kravitz with Sandra Gould, they'd offered the part to Alice Ghostly. Really? I never yeah. knew that. Cool piece and of she info. Turned, she turned it down, but um, she loved the show, was happy to come on. And, and she didn't want a full-time part, but she wanted more of a guest part, which is what Esmeralda was. And she was fun to work with. And, and most of her scenes were with me because she was kind of my nanny on the show. Yeah. So um, yeah, she was fun and she had a great career. I mean, after Bewitched, she went on and did Designing Women and, and I think she was in Greece and a bunch of things. Oh, so wow. she was great. She was a lot of fun to be around. Was and, she um, similar on the set as she was, you know? Well, no, but well, her character was kind of like insecure and, um, you know, nervous to appear which she was she was afraid of something so she wasn't like that but um yeah she was she was great she was she was fun i loved everything about her okay and anything else and then, about mary oh, and then mary and lauren um it's written into the show that her character collected doorknobs and she'd have like this big old carpet bag full oh, of right doorknobs. right 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 and they wrote that in because um marion actually collected doorknobs on her own I mean, I people. I had stamps and coins. Oh, yeah. but she collected doorknobs, and I got a couple of them. So, yeah, you that still was, have them? Yeah. Well, I, I I sold one years years <laughs> ago. I thought, oh, I'll do an auction. This will be fun. And now I thought, oh, I shouldn't have done that, but I still have one. Oh, that's good. At least you have one. Yeah. That's great. Did you? And you know, same question. I guess as the as before. What was your relationship with with Marion like? Did it? you know, did, did you feel like you had a, a, a bond with her? Or? Yeah, oh, I, I absolutely did. And she was, she was such a sweet, sweet lady, but, um, you know, I mean, she passed away obviously while we were um, yeah. filming the show, right. but, um, so I didn't see her after that. <laughs> yeah. Did you understand at the time though? Like, wow, she just passed away. Like, I mean, that's tough for a kid to kind of, um, I guess I did. I mean, um, you know, those things happen. So, I mean, I don't, I don't really know what of that I comprehended, but I mean, those were the first people in my life that did pass. My grandparents were still alive. Wow. Wow. Okay. Very cool. Very cool. So kind of fun. Um, okay. Are you acting in anything presently that we can check out or any kind of program? Yeah. Um, actually I've been focusing a lot on voiceover stuff. I, I may have talked about it before, but a little bit, during, yeah. yeah, during the pandemic, um, it was just one of those things where people were working from home and I had some friends mention different um, voiceover jobs and asked if I'd be willing to set up a home booth, which I did. I don't know if you can see my dogs. My dogs are right there playing. Oh no, no, without a doubt. We can see them. I had a crack up. We were talking before the one went by, the other one went by, the cat, the cat came by along. The you never know what's going on in the background. So it's like, obviously like everything's, everything's calm and there's total chaos behind me. It's part of being a mom, but um, yeah. I don't even remember the question. Wait, uh, what are you asking me? It was, what are you uh, acting presently in um, So most of the things I've been doing just in the pandemic have been um, like podcasts.
and things like this. And also um, a lot of voiceover stuff. I'm doing looping, which is called looping ADR. It's background vocals um, on a major film starting on Monday, which I can't talk about, but it's about superheroes and it's a big okay. one. Okay. But um, yeah, so I've been doing a lot of that. And um, my youngest son just graduated from high school just a few months ago. And I always said when my youngest was out of school, I would get back into entertainment more. So, I mean, I'm, I'm in the process. I'm like, can you hear the dog toy? Yeah, only a little bit. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Um, so, so, yeah, Hopefully it's the fans nice. love dogs. You, I mean, that's all like I'm saying. You in my home with me. It's, it's a great thing. But um, I'm, I'm about to do more things. So I, I have to wait until things open up a little bit more. I mean, the film that we're doing, we're in a sound... <laughs> Here it's like squeak, squeak. Um, That's funny. The, the film we're doing, um, the voiceover stuff, we're in. Hang on, I'm gonna grab a toy. You don't have to even pause. Okay. I took I took lamb chop away from my dog. <laughs> oh my god! How how ironic it's lamb chop. I love well, and it. my my next door neighbor, who I adore, I just adore her. Um, her sister was Sherry Lewis, who um, who's lamb the lamb oh, chop. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. I gotta throw in a quick lamb chop. Uh, thing for you. Okay. This is pretty wild. Bob and I did an episode on Star Trek. And when I was, re I'm a big Trekkie. When I was researching it, this, I, I doubt you know this. This is, this is wild. Apparently she was too, uh, Sherry Lewis. And she wrote an episode what? of Star Trek. Yeah. Swear. I, I, I mean, I looked that. into that. I, I looked in and I have yet to find where anyone's come back and said, no, you're wrong. It, and what? It's it seems like you could, look, you could look that up on IMDb, can't you? Although I'll ask Barbara next door and then I'll, I'll tell that you. That would be cool. Talk. I would like Absolutely. to know that. Send me a text or something because I that one is just so, so intriguing about Lamb Chop. I'm like, really? Yeah. Anyhow, that was a, that was a heck thing. of a segue. But, okay, so wait, back to working. So um, since I'm doing voiceover stuff, this, this job I'm about to start on Monday is the first time we're in studio instead of being in our home booths. Hmm. And so they have it where each um, person has to have, since COVID times, oh, they have to have the mic set up for them in advance. We're not allowed to open the front door. Like they, they have such strong protocol that there's someone who will open the doors for us that there are two actors per booth. There, I think there are 12 or 14 of us each day. We have a plexiglass thing between us. So things aren't really back to normal really yet. No. So um, once the world opens up a little more, I feel like it's time to probably get an agent, think about what I want to do in the business. I love working. I mean, so yeah, I'll be acting again. Well, we want you acting. It's not just me. There's plenty of people out there that want you acting. So take that and run with that. Haiti and Peru wants me acting. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Okay. Um, this is from John A. Uh, can you tell us more about your relationship with Agnes Moorhead? I mean, you kind of mentioned earlier. Is there anything already, else you can give? They, John A. I already did. Um, oh, wow. Well, um, I, I may have said it in my last interview with you. I'm not sure. I was really excited about um, taking fencing lessons from her because so. she, she was an that. acting she was an acting teacher and she we always talked about different things like outside of our you know of being on set we talked about our lives and she talked about how fencing was one of the foundations of acting because it's oh, the back wow. and forth and that most classic actors had fencing training so oh, she, she had told me that when I was older, she would teach me how to fence. So I, I never had the opportunity because she passed away when I was still very young. But um, I always 
kind of kept that with me. And I thought I would love to learn how to fence, like the back and forth of it. Yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. Because when you think about, you know, I think most people that are Bewitch fans think of her at that time. But here's a woman that was going all the way back to what I want to say, the 40s, the 30s. I don't know what it, what it was. Wow. But she was she was part of that whole, you know, that time and a major actress. So I could see that with the fencing. That's really interesting. Wow. Okay, cool. Um, let's see. What are your memories about being in scenes with Mary and Lauren? Uh, that, that was the other. I mean, obviously, there is some interest there. Yeah. Yes. And, the, and the next question will be, what did Mary and Lauren have for breakfast? Exactly. <laughs> um, I, I just remember, um, I just remember I was a child, but thinking that she was very childlike. There was something about her that was so, so sweet. And I know the characters described as kind of bumbling, but yes. I didn't know that premise when I was a kid. I just remember, you know, thinking that she was kind of childlike and sweet. And, and I always wanted to look into her bag to see if she brought different doorknobs that day. So there was kind oh. of a doorknob theme to our, our relationship. <laughs> Were that you know, actually, I wonder, I mean, maybe you don't know, I, but the doorknob thing, uh, did she bring them, uh, like, were they actually her doorknobs that were in the yes, show? Not all of them, but some of them were, but she, she had thousands of doorknobs. She, okay, <laughs> I'm going to show you something because I know you can hear the sound behind me. Wait. Yeah, sure. Wait, let's see. I taught my dog to, to ring bells. I don't know if you can see him at the front door. I have. Oh, yeah, wait, 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 yeah, I, yeah. yeah. Wait. Um, oh, oh, yeah. Coming. Hi, Halston. Um, I taught him, um, he's still a puppy, but I taught him to ring the bells when he has to go out to go to the bathroom. So he's Aww. over there like, he hits it once and I usually come right over. And he's back there like hitting it, be like, I'm, hey, mom, <laughs> let me out. That's pretty phenomenal training, by the way. Yeah. I bet he knows to do that. He literally had a look on his face coming back like, oh, whatever. He, <laughs> he's like, like I'm going to go make some more noise with my toys. Exactly. <laughs> He's like, thanks for taking Sherry. Okay, so um, let's see here. What what was your relationship like with Dick Sargent versus Dick York? Oh. Um, while it this is this is how it's written. While it appeared you had more warmth with with York, I also read that Sargent was very kind to you as well. He just always acted moody and grouchy. <laughs> um, I don't think I had more warmth with with Dick York than Dick Sargent. I think they. He played the character differently. He never, Dick Sargent never came in and tried to imitate Dick York. So they just right. had very different takes on Darren and they were, you know, really different people. But um, no, I, I love Dick Sargent. And we, we did have a, a long relationship after the show because, you know, once again, we were um, going to events together and, and doing talk shows and things together. And um, he and I actually went to a couple meetings over the years, so many people have written bewitched scripts. I don't know how to say this kindly, so I'll just say it truthfully. Most of them are pretty awful. Yes. So, um, so Dick Sargent and I went to a meeting. He's ringing the bells. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I can hear. I can hear. Um, no, is, is he yeah. going to hold it? That's all we yeah. want to know. We'll yeah. see. It'll be. Yeah. You'll. You'll see if he does. <laughs> but. Um, <laughs> so. Um, so Dick Sargent and I went to a meeting um, with um, some people who've written a be. Should I take that off the door? Can is it really loud? No, it's fine. I think everybody okay. gets it at this okay. point. Don't worry about um, it. I can hear you clearly. Okay, perfect. So um, Dick Sargent and I had gone to a meeting with one of the people who'd written a Bewitch script, and um, we had, you know, there were other cast. Sandy Gould was there. We had other cast members there, oh, wow. and um, we, 
you know, it was a time where I was in my early 20s and I was kind of open to doing it. I thought, absolutely, if there's a good script, yes. So we'd, we'd sign letters of intent that we were interested and we went to a, a presentation and it was so terrible. I mean, it was just really bad. And Dick Sargent and I walked out after and then we went and had something to eat and we both said, I said, I'm not going to do it. And he said, I'm not going to do it either. So it was one of those awkward things where, you know, we'd said we, we were interested, but it didn't go beyond that because it was really bad. And, you wow. know, it, there's no reason to do a show just to do a show. I mean, at that oh, point yeah. I, I'd said no to so many things and, you know, so far there hasn't been one that I would want to do. I know they're working on um, a bewitched feature right now. And I've been talking to the writers, but that's not, it's not something where I would play Tabitha. But um, no, I appreciate that they reached out and, and we're kind of in talks and I'm giving them advice, which is kind of fun. I think that's really cool. But I also I also hope that if they do do one, they put you in it. I mean, I, I yeah, whether you're Tabitha I, or not, you should. I, you know, I there. told them I told them to write something for me, so we'll see. And you know what? Um, there's an old Hollywood joke about um, the dumbest actor is the one who sleeps with the writer. So because writers can't get you job. I mean, I'm not sleeping with the writer. No, <laughs> so, no, <laughs> But uh, but no writers writers have absolutely no casting control whatsoever. But right, um, right. no, I threw it out there, and it's like I'm happy to help, and I'm giving them advice. But um, yeah, write me something, and then we'll see if it happens. I got gotcha. you. So yeah. when when you were there uh, with Dick Sargent and you were watching it, was it presented to you in like almost like um, like a stage performance, or was it presented as like a table reading? No, it, neither of those. It was it was presented that they'd done a little videotape kind of thing. Oh. And um, it just, it wasn't good. It wasn't good. And there were people that they said, well, these people have to be in it. And they were friends of, of someone. And it was, it just wasn't good. So it oh, was wow. kind of that, it was kind of that they wanted to be part of Bewitched. So it was, um, yeah, not good. There, over the years, there are people where, you know, they might be big fans of the show and they love it so much that they feel like they're part of the family, but yeah. they're not part of the family. <laughs> so, right. so if they try to show in it where their family, all their friends are in it too, it was, it was not. Okay. Good. That's weird. That's <laughs> yeah, really weird. weird yeah. Red but flag. I was, I was happy that Dick Sargent, Dick Sargent and I were absolutely on the same page. And I thought at the time, I mean, I was, I was a young woman and they were older, you know, the rest of the cast, they were older and they were happy about doing it, but I was happy I wasn't the only one who was going to say, I'm not doing this. So right, it worked right. out. That's cool. That's very interesting. Um, so tell me this. Uh, they Well, in the first podcast, you mentioned the, um, there was that that special episode. We had the the kids uh, that were, that, the African-American kids that came in and all that. But um, I, I, to be honest with you, I can't remember myself from the first podcast if that was your, your favorite episode. But the next question is, what was your favorite episode and why? Um, and what memory? I, don't, I do you don't know if that was my favorite episode. Yeah. It was a good episode. Yeah, yeah, sure. I remember that. Yeah, we um, talked about it, but yeah. Gosh, it's so weird because I have memories of filming certain ones that are like, oh my gosh, that was the most fun to film or that was, you know, whatever. Yeah. But, um, watching back, there's so many. Like, I love the one where I turned a little girl named Amy into a butterfly when I went to preschool. Oh, I liked, cool. I liked all the episodes where I had more to do. The one where... Um, where um, Agnes Moorhead made me ice skate really well, was super fun to film because we went to um, Topanga 
plaza where there's an ice skating rink yeah, and I, sure, take, I was taking ice skating lessons that's why they wrote that script but um it was fun anytime we got out of our um screen gem sunset gower studio was kind of more fun because we're on location and we're doing fun things so i i think of the ones that i really loved filming. well that's great did by the way uh, did agnes moorhead skate pretty well no, no, she didn't skate at all. She was like <laughs> up in the stands, like twitching her nose. <laughs> no, actually, I don't even, she didn't even twitch her nose. I'm throwing oh. lunch up through you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's funny. That's really funny that they had her there. Okay. Um, then there is, uh, what was David, what was David White like? Uh, was he like Larry Tate at all? Or was he totally different? Um, in my memories, which are, a child's memories. Sure, of course. He was, he was exactly like Larry Tate. For me, I thought of him like he was my dad's boss. He was he was very much like that in between scenes. I'm sure he was, you know, his own wonderful personality sure, on sure. set. But but seeing him there, I just always looked to him like he was my dad's boss. Like he was always kind to me, but it's kind of like patting me on the head and he treated me like my dad's boss would have treated me. <laughs> was he, was he one of the characters that when the show ended, you, you did not see again or? No, only through, I'm, t I'm telling you Christmas cards because yeah. we, you know, you, my parents, I'm assuming had like the cast list and we'd, we'd exchange cards and gifts for the run of the show. And that was kind of how we stayed in touch with people, but no, I didn't see him after the show. Okay. All right. Interesting. Um, let's see. Here's one. This is and this is one that I don't, you know, I don't know. This could be, you know, they heard a rumor or whatever. You oh know? gosh. Okay. Um, I had read that Dick York really had a crush on Elizabeth Montgomery, and that kind of freaked her out. And the person said, "Who knows?" Did you um, ever hear that rumor? I did hear that rumor. Oh. Um, I I heard that rumor when I was an adult from Bill Asher. Whoa. So. so I would guess that there may have been some truth to that rumor. I mean, I know Dick York was married to his wife, Joey, forever. They had many children, but I have definitely heard that, that he had a crush on her. Yes. Oh, how interesting. I want, I, wow, that is really wild. No, I know, no, it's like, it's I'm complete transparency and honesty. I, if I'd heard it from anyone besides Bill Asher or from Liz or from, from Dick York, I would discount it if it was just like an internet rumor, but I absolutely did hear that. I wonder <laughs> how that affected the show. That's so um, wild. I don't know that it did because I think um, they were both, Liz and Dick York were both kind of consummate professionals. And I think um, it may have actually helped the show because Darren loved Samantha. So maybe it, it played into that and, and led it led to some credibility about that. But I think it happens a lot. I think, I mean, you hear a lot about lead actors and actresses falling in love while they're making a film because there's a fine line. And if you're, you're truly believable and really living that moment, I could see where it, it could happen. Yeah, I could see that. Um, who, tell me this, uh, here's, here's another one. Who was most like their character in the show? you had to pick one i know i know this one <laughs> um, oh, wow um the person who was most like their character elizabeth montgomery was most like serena <laughs> oh my gosh that is hysterical Without i had no idea really yes <laughs> wow wow i would never i honestly if i was sitting here in vegas and they were like put it put bets down on which i never would have picked that that's crazy oh wow okay in, in what ways would you say 
that she was like in every single way <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Wow. no um um she was she was just she had kind of that little like she she had fun with that character she was you know she was kind of funny and flirty and silly and wow. a little zany and yeah she was like that character totally yeah you know i mean as you say <laughs> i'm that, gonna I mean, get so much grief from this depending on who sees <laughs> it but i stand by that i don't know if you will because you know it's funny it, I, as i'm as we're talking i'm thinking of her in interviews i've watched uh you know and there is that, there is that little, uh, you know, I don't know, chutzpah, I don't know how to put it uh, about like a little, Like a little twinkle in her eye. It's funny yeah. because, I mean, people always think she was like Samantha, but no, because she wasn't a little homemaker. Like she wasn't that character at all. I mean, obviously she didn't do magic, but she wasn't like Samantha. She was more like Serena. Wow, that's cool. That's really cool. All right. Um, <laughs> who was opposite of their character would you oh. say the most? I'll say two. Okay. Um, I would say Elizabeth Montgomery is opposite of Samantha. Just yep. as she likes Serena. You know how Serena and Samantha are complete opposites? Very. I think Elizabeth and, and Samantha are kind of complete opposites. But I would also um, say Agnes Moorhead because so many people over the years have asked me if I was afraid of her and if she was scary and intimidating and, yeah. and she was so kind and wonderful and, and I thought she was so beautiful. She was nothing like Endora. Oh, is that interesting? Hey, did you ever, um, I had seen something recently, they showed Agnes Moorhead's home that, uh, you know, the last home that she was in. It was this yeah. incredibly, I mean, the, I mean, it was like out of a 1940s Hollywood movie home. I mean, it was wow. like unreal. So you did, you did see it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it was beautiful, beautiful home. I didn't go to any of the huge, huge parties, but mm -hmm. I went to her home a few times. It must have seemed enormous to you. I mean, especially at that age. It kind of, I would say it did and it didn't because um, driving to work, I mean, we lived up in the hills um, off Beverly Glen. So, I mean, we had a, a nice house, but I mean, sure. so I grew up driving through Beverly Hills up, you know, you know, oh, yeah. gorgeous area studio. So it's like, I was used to driving by, I mean, I, we drive by Liz's house and Agnes's house was on a cross street. So it's, I mean, when you see houses like that all the time, it didn't seem that extraordinary. I mean, I, I clearly it, it's based on being in that location and, and my very extraordinary upbringing, you know, yeah. in entertainment, I could see if you grew up anywhere else, it would seem crazy, but if it's something you see every day, it doesn't seem that out of the ordinary. Oh yeah. So, so wait, I, I find that really kind of funny. So you're heading, you're heading to work and you're going past Liz's house, Agnes's house. They're, everybody's living that close to each other. I mean, that's funny. Well, kind of. Yeah. Everyone's like right in that thing. Cause we had to drive to Sunset Gower where we were filming. So yeah. Wow. Okay. That, that's pretty wild. Um, here we go. Did Elizabeth Montgomery know of Agnes Moorhead's deteriorating health? when she decided not to do the show for the last two years as the network wanted. Since no. Agnes died in 1974. No, um, I've, I've heard that rumor online. Absolutely no truth to that whatsoever. Okay. All right. So she did not, she, she was not. I'm, you know what? I'm saying I read it online, that rumor. I uh -huh. think I read it in comments to our last podcast, but no, that right. no, nothing about Agnes health had anything to do with us not continuing okay. on. Yeah, some of this, some of some of these uh, came out of there actually, because people are like, "Please, if you do the second one, you, you got to let me know." Yeah. Um, okay, it's interesting. It's interesting because people, um, if you read enough things, like someone could read an article in People Magazine or in 
tabloid or like message boards and things and they think they know the actual people it's so interesting where i'll read comments or and people are talking about well this person did this and that you know and i'm not going to go into specifics no, it's like, i know you don't know the people you're talking about it's just bizarre <laughs> that is that is kind of bizarre um here here's another one with the um the sets uh obviously it was broken up into different sets the 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 home did it did it feel like a home to you when you were a kid, like filming there in those moments? No, because the set is nothing like a house. It's we're not film like in an interior. Sometimes when they do movies, they'll film in an actual house and just light an actual house. We were a set, so there were no ceilings. I mean, the 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 ceiling is maybe thirty feet up in the air, and there are rafters and lights, and you know, none of the rooms have four walls. There's always like an open wall, or sometimes even two open walls. So right. no, it's nothing like a house. Okay, um, here in the first podcast, you talked about Bernard Fox. Um, what was your you you mentioned your relationship? Um, I, I believe it was that uh, you had done a couple of. Uh, I, I, I want to say autograph signings or fan convention, something with him, but you were with him. Um, but they want to know what was your, did your relationship change from when you were on the show going into, you know, adulthood? Absolutely. It completely changed because when I was on the show, I mean, I was a small child. I was on the show up until I was what, almost eight years old. And when right. I knew the people, especially Bernard as an adult, I was in my twenties, thirties, forties. And, um, so no, I knew him as an adult. So, I mean, it completely changed. It was, you know, it was more like I was his peer. Sometimes I felt like I was almost his caretaker because there were times where we'd be traveling and no one else, no one was with him. So, I mean, I, I remember pushing him in a wheelchair to get to, to flight sometimes and sitting by him and making sure protective of him and of, of Bill Asher as well. I always felt kind of protective of them. So oh, how, how interesting. How interesting. Did um, I, got, I, I, I just had one that came in as you said that. Um, oh, I, I know. I was curious about this. I meant to ask you this in the first podcast because I was thinking about um, the magic. And did did w like was it all just like, oh, well, that's just a you know crazy little thing that they did with a broom or whatever? Or was some of it kind of like intriguing for you as a kid to see like, you know, how they pulled something off? Um, I obviously knew it wasn't magic because there's such a long process behind the scenes making like a really quick magic effect. Yeah. So I always saw the setup before I, you know, I saw the payoff. And so it didn't seem magical to me. It just seemed like, you know, it was interesting watching how they did it and then seeing how it turned out on TV. But I mean, I clearly knew it wasn't real magic. And what, what was it like for you? Um, I, you know, as a kid to then, okay, so you leave the show and you're, you, these these actors go on and they're playing in different roles and things like that and you're able to see them what what is that like for you you know you I mean you're eight ten whatever um and you're watching these these people that you worked with and suddenly they're on this other show or this movie what what's that like for you um it's, it seemed normal to me because I mean I was doing commercials and I was auditioning for things so it just it seemed normal I knew it was a job and that was a part and it just was normal did, so when the when the show ended, you know, and, and granted you're you're young, I, I you know you're probably more resilient away from that, but um, was there uh, any kind of a like, you know, letdown, like a feeling of oh wow it, it's over? Um, a little bit. I mean, I had so much fun there, and it was such an important part of my life and such a kind of focus of a lot of my 
childhood. So it was weird when it ended. And I was sad just because I knew we were supposed to go on. And I was kind of excited to see what, you know, the future storylines would be for my character. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I mean, there were good things and bad things. I loved that I could, you know, do more things with kids in the neighborhood and go to school and, you know, be in more activity type things. So there yeah. were definite positives, but I, I missed the day to day and I missed the people and I loved it. I mean, I, I think I have such a strong work ethic because it was such a huge part of my life as a kid. It's like, you have to, you know, do these things. And it was, I loved it. So I missed it. I got you. I got you. And what, you know, we mentioned this in the first one about, you know, possibly writing a book. I mean, you're, you're, I mean, technically, I, I think I am correct on this. You're the last living member of the cast. I, am I right on that? Um, they were the, the twins who played Adam. Well, yeah. Right. For the, you know, the last, um, the end of the show. Yeah. I mean, um, no offense to them. I, I by that, but, <laughs> but I, I feel like when people think of the show, that's not probably who they originally like kind of look. Yeah. Look um, some of the guest guest actors are still Bernie Coppell is still alive and he did a few episodes as kind of the apothecary and things. Yeah, but, yeah, um, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean I'm I guess it's fair to say I'm the main cast member still alive. Yeah, right, right. Do you feel um because you do such a good job? I know I, I said this to you in the first podcast, but you do such a good job of not just not only representing the show, but kind of carrying on the the mystique of the show that, that you know that made made it so special um is that do you feel like you have like a responsibility um yes i do i do um and it's not even just um because of that per my particular show bewitched i do i always feel like um because i in doing things as an adult where i'll meet other actors from movies and tv shows and things um, you always want them to be a certain way. You have your image of what they should be like and should look like and act like. Yeah. And um, there have been times when I first started doing personal appearances many years ago where people would disappoint me, where I would see um, actors not being nice to uh, people who would come to see them and kind of yeah. not looking their best. Yeah. So I always feel like... Um, I, I feel lucky that I was on a great show that people love and still, you know, have loved for over 55 years now. Right. So obligation to, you know, be nice to people about the show and answer questions about the show and say good things about it because I don't know, I, I feel lucky to be part of it. So yeah, right. a little bit of obligation in a good way. I gotcha. Uh, this is also, I, I, it was on my, my thought process, I guess, in the first one, I just, we were talking about so many things I couldn't remember, but I, I think it was Dick York was the one uh, that had the, there was like a device there for him, right? Uh, like for his back. Yeah, they had a board that he would lean against. Right. How, you know, you're a child and he, you know, here, you know, you've got this guy, obviously he's going through this. What were you thinking? I mean, really, what was, what was that? It was just a part of who he was that, you know, he had a bad back. He was in pain that, that leaning against that helped him feel better. It took some of the pressure off his spine. So it's, I don't know, it's, it was like anything. If they explain something to you, you understand it. So. Right. I gotcha. Okay. Interesting. And did you, you know, the, the other one that I was thinking of is when you were doing the magic, cause you, you were doing magic yourself on the show. 
was it fun? I mean, or was it just like, oh boy, here I go. I got it, you know. You oh, know. It was it was always fun. I I loved doing the magic on the show. And I, I may have said it before, but I definitely always thought I looked forward to getting the script every week and going through and highlighting how many lines I had. And then like, if it was an episode that I was in more, even as a very small child, I liked it. I liked working and saying more. I would hate getting an, getting an episode and like turning pages, turning pages. Because at the beginning, it has the list of like all the actors and characters who yeah of course it. Like, yeah. okay i'm in it it's like there's like two lines like okay mommy and it's like come on adam or you know that kind of thing i didn't like those episodes as much because i i grew up watching other shows of the day like yeah. I, my favorite show at the time was the brady bunch and i remember thinking i would have loved to be on a show like brady bunch or partridge family where it was more kid driven than adult driven because yeah. Bewitched was always more an adult show. So I I look at the episodes where I say, you know, a couple sentences and I'm thinking, oh, but on Brady Bunch, Cindy gets to have a whole episode about her, you know, her kitty carry all doll. <laughs> right, right, right. Did you, um, you know, outside of just Bewitched, what other child stars were you kind of around or had experiences with at that time? Uh, oh, gosh, I back to ice skating I took ice skating lessons with Eve Plum and Susan Olsen um, <laughs> sorry that's just um, classic right know. there there were other kid actors of the day who were on Bewitched like Melissa Sue Anderson was on an episode where I went to elementary school she was that was maybe her first job she was an extra in the classroom um, I didn't really oh. hang out with that many kid actors because when I was on the show I would hang out with kids in the neighborhood so um, it's more as an adult, I have tons of kid actor friends. When I was a kid actor, I looked forward to auditions where I'd see everybody or things like parades and stuff like that, where you would kind of see everybody. But I didn't hang out with that many kid actors until I was an adult. Interesting. What, hey, what was the, uh, the uh, Johnny Whitaker uh, story that you had? Oh, um, um, Johnny Whitaker did an episode of Bewitched um, about Jack and the Beanstalk, where- yes. Yes, where Jack comes, like I twitch myself into Jack and the Beanstalk and he comes and lives with my family and I go and meet the giant and all that. So Johnny Whitaker was on Bewitched while he was doing Family Affair. So I knew who he was. He obviously knew who I was. Um, he's older. I think I was maybe five in that, ep that episode. Yeah. He was maybe 10. But when he was there on set, and this was a very fun episode to film, while he was there on set, he invited me to lunch and um, oh my gosh you and johnny Whitaker. Went to, yes yes so we went to lunch at this restaurant right across from sunset gower it's still there it's not the same restaurant and i ordered breaded veal cutlet which was my favorite thing i thought it was a classy <laughs> thing and i ate it all the <laughs> You're time five yes no it's funny because i don't even think they make breaded veal cutlet anymore but as a five-year-old it was my favorite meal so we went to the oh restaurant and um and we had lunch and at the end of lunch he paid with a check and i was so impressed that he had a check book at 10 and so he paid for lunch oh my gosh that is hysterical i i would have loved to have been a fly on the wall watching that table i mean come yeah, on but um wow he also taught me this is the weirdest this is this is where child memories are different than adult memories yeah i remember something about that episode no one else would remember and it's that um we we always had craft services so food on the set 
for filming. There's always oh, like sure. a table with food. Um, so there were carrots there, which were my favorite. I loved carrots. And Johnny Whitaker told me that the center of the carrot, you know how a carrot has a core? He told me that the center of the carrot is the sweetest part. So what you're supposed to do is eat the outside first. Then you have like the long center of the carrot. Yeah. So, I did that. And then everyone went crazy when we were back. I said, why is Aaron's face orange? So I was like, <laughs> but I also, for the rest of my life, up until now, I still eat carrots like that. <laughs> oh, is that funny? Oh, wow. Wow. That's classic. So yeah. Uh, any other, just, just curious. I mean, I think, I think a lot of people are always curious about like, because it feels every time that I've done any of these, it feels like the world of child actors kind of feels kind of small. I mean, within within the um, that, you know, when you're all working and, you know, coming up together with auditions and all of that, it, any other people that come to mind that were either on the show or that you were kind of, you know, uh, I mean, crossing paths with? There's so many. It's like, and it's more, it's more now. I mean, a lot of the voiceover work I do now, there are a lot of kid actors. I work with Matt Laberto a fair bit. He was mm -hmm. um, on the prairie. Um, and there's something about um, kid actors where we have an instant bond. It's this weird kind of unspeakable thing where we have such a shared history that no one else really understands that we're uh -huh automatically friends. So whenever I go somewhere and I meet someone that I may be Facebook friends with another child actor, but not know them, the minute we meet in person, it's like we've known each other forever. So, I mean, I end up being friends with like the kids from Sound of Music or, wow. um, or um, oh gosh, one day at a time or whatever, because we yes. have such weird common experiences that you can't really explain to someone else. No one really gets it. I got you. I got you. Do you it, 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 one day at a time, Glenn Scarpelli? Yeah, Glenn Scarpelli. Yeah. Glenn Scarpelli. Like yeah. um, he and I have been Facebook friends for years, and we had never met in person. And we were just at an event recently, maybe a month ago, and we instantly, oh my gosh, hugged. New, you know, felt like we were best friends because it's just that weird history that you share. Yeah, I get you. He's he's I I. I've known I well I haven't seen him in many years but for a while there I, we saw each other a fair amount he's just a warm guy it's a I great mean, period you know that that's that's part of it that's so interesting so we kind of we we kind of talked about this before but what do you think it is you know you you've kind of grounded yourself you, you seem to be in a really good place obviously we have other child actors that they they go off the rails or you know unfortunately they literally you know die things happen what do you think it is? What do you, what do you think it is that in all this, because you've had a lot of experience uh, in knowing them and also yourself, what do you think it is that, you know, kind of keeps some on the right track and some just fall off? It's, I don't know. It's hard to describe. And I may have said it to you before. It's just, I have, a very, I have a very strong sense of self. Like mm -hmm. I, I know who I am. I know that I want to do different things and travel. And it's like, I've always had goals and things that were important to me. And I think, um, I, I look at it that I really was lucky to be on a, a show when I was a kid. I don't feel like, um, because I was a kid actor, I should necessarily be taken care of for the rest of my life because of that. So I've always thought mm -hmm. about, okay, what can I do next? And you know, like looking for different jobs and different work um, and different things I'm interested in. I do think there are some um, child actors who think, 
well, I did something for a year when I was a little child and that should support me forever. And that right. the, they're somehow entitled to something else. Most people, if they work a few years at a job, they're not set for life. They need to get another job or do something else. So mm -hmm. I've never felt that I should sit back and do nothing. I, I always want my life to be interesting with work and you know hobbies and friends and all that. So I think it's it's constantly you know realizing that the advantages of being a kid actor. I mean, there there are so more so many more advantages from from my perspective than negatives. So yeah, I, I mean, I had you know interesting experiences and went on auditions and did things that you know other kids may not have but it led to great things and I've been able to travel the world and you know you're interviewing me because of something I did when I was a child so yeah, I, exactly. I see the positive I'm definitely a glasses half full kind of girl I got you and do you think uh do you think that I mean it sounds like you had great parents I mean to have great parents um do you think that that buys into part of it too that sometimes you know um, I don't that, no, I don't. Okay. Yeah, Great. no, it's, it's funny because I grew up um, seeing all the, you know, I, I know I've talked to you about this, but um, mm -hmm. I grew up saying the right things like, okay, you know, you're always polite. You're always, you know, just basic manners. Sure. But I grew up being, being told that my mom, I'm so lucky that my mom wasn't a stage mom. So mm -hmm. the, my entire life, I would say, oh no, I was lucky. My mom wasn't a stage mom. So yeah. I have different experiences. My mom was totally a stage mom. Absolutely. Oh. Without a doubt, just like, you know, just like most other stage moms. So, yeah, um, yeah it took me um, turning into a grown up and thinking, well, wait a minute, I've, I've been saying this my whole life, but it's really not true. So oh, I, I, I own my life. Like I, I, any mistake I've made is not because of my upbringing. Anything good I've made, you know, I've done is because of decisions I've made. So I think, uh, yes, my parents always made sure we had a nice house, but I was working when my mom was staying home. So yeah. I, I supported our family for a while and I'm, I'm fine with that, but I didn't grow up knowing that. It, yeah. I, it took me being an adult to think, oh, wait a minute. My mom would frequently talk about um, sacrifices that she made to be a stay-at-home mom. And, and, and I, I remember being grateful for that. Yeah. But as an adult, I, I'm able to realize she was a stay-at-home mom, but I wasn't a stay-at-home kid. So yeah, she yeah. wasn't working and I was working and I hold no ill, you know, ill will or bad feelings about that. Right. But, but as an adult being realistic, I, I don't, I don't um, necessarily equate my success or failures in my life on my parents. I think, I think success and failures for anyone is what you do, like what decisions do you make? How cool is that in a way to be able to hit that point in your life that you can kind of like look back on it and go, wait a minute. Yeah. I, and I kind of get it. I kind of see. Do your, um, by the way, obviously you have your own kids and do they, uh, what, what's it, has it, has it been in any way interesting from their standpoint, you know, where they, they're like, oh, my mom is Tabitha from the show. Or is it like the show is so far back that they're like, whatever. Nope. It's, it's one of those things where the show has been on forever. So there was never a Literally. time. I mean, there yeah. were, t there were TV shows that were filmed when Bewitched was that, you know, didn't make it to, um, to rerun. So there, right. there are other TV shows that people aren't familiar with. Our show has never been off the air. So my, my kids, teachers and friends and oh, everyone yeah. is, is familiar with the show. So I think 
I think they kind of got the best of, of things with my small amount of fame uh-huh. that we were able to do some fun things and, you know, do travel, go to things like the Kid Choice Awards and things. And mm-hmm. I still yeah. go to the gifting suites and get, you know, like little things that I pass on to them. So I think famous enough to have the perks without the crazy fame where people bother us in public. I don't, I don't have that. <gasps> yeah. Maybe, you know, that maybe that's why, you know, like I said, you, you come across very, I don't know, certainly, you know who you are and everything like that, but it's like, it, that was well said. It's like, you're between like, I guess, fame and like ultra famous, you know what I mean? And so that, well, so that I'm, allows I'm, you to kind of dip in both yes, worlds. I'm just famous enough to get some of the perks Yeah, and I'm not so famous that I can't do other jobs in entertainment because I'm not instantly recognizable, but I'm recognizable enough that people hiring me know me and, and love sure. things I've done in the past. And, and obviously people appreciate my work ethic and the fact that I'm truly nice to everyone I meet. I know it sounds crazy, but I'm, when I'm on set, I'm one of the first people, if not the first people there. I always know yeah. my lines. I'm always nice to people. I always bring snacks to share. I love that part. Work. Yeah, no, I mean, for, for work, there are tons of people talented, far, far more talented than I could ever hope to be. Mm-hmm. But they're all, they might be people that you don't want to be around all the time. Right. So there are people who, you know, book jobs right and left, but then don't stay on a series forever. Like maybe they're written off after a year. Maybe they don't get called back for something. Right. I've worked with the same people over and over again. Oh, literally over and over again, including yeah. this podcast. It's right, like exactly. Did a podcast and had me on a co-host because I, I try to, you know, bring something positive to the table. What you do, what you do. And by the way, it has been awesome having you as co-host. I, I've loved it. it we, we've had a great time and there's more to come, but yes, without a doubt. Uh, well, yeah, I guess that's a, that's about it. I mean, I can't, I can't even uh, thank you enough for, for your time. And, you know, on behalf of the fans, obviously, I, you know, I thank you. I, I'm sure, I'm sure we'll, we'll put this one out and, you know, people say, wait, I had another question. You know? Then we'll do episode three. It's all right. Exactly. We, we don't, hey, never say never. That's it. That, that's true. But uh, anyway, thanks a bunch, Aaron. Uh, yeah, I really appreciate you being on. I appreciate you being the co-host and I, I appreciate you being a friend as well. Thank you. So, all right. Thanks again. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Hey, if you haven't done so already, hit the subscribe button in the corner of the video so that you don't miss any of our future YouTube podcasts. Also, follow us on iTunes and Spotify.